This episode of the A-List Podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Welcome to another edition of the A-List Podcast. I'm your host, A. Shrod Blakely, with Kwani A. Lunas. All that hair is the A stands for. And my man, Gary Washburn. What's going on, people? What's up? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> See, we for for those who wonder like why the hell are they opening up with Gary's my ally? Because we because we we've been clowning each other off camera. Uh, no, you've Kwani... been clowning me. Not we've been oh, clowning each other. This is true. Guilty. <laughs> Kwani brought up the fact that she finally got rid of her Christmas tree, and uh, I I noticed that she had some some uh, a, a vertically uh, efficient do today, and I was just like, damn. Now we know where the Christmas tree went. <laughs> ah! Anyway, enough jo- enough messing with Quanny. Quanny's my girl. I love you, Quanny. Love you, Quanny. And 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 I hey, love yeah. what the Celtics are doing. They're actually balling out. Wins in like I think what forty last five games, something like that. Average margin has been like by I think thirty or some some ridiculous number. I'm gonna just throw it at you, Gary Washburn. I mean, the, what, who the hell we, is this Boston Celtics team we watching out there now balling out like as if they as if they trying to win a chip or something? What, what 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 why is this team playing so much better right now? Well, I think once uh, you know level of competition, they haven't played a bunch of great teams, um, but they've also struggled with teams who haven't been good. So you got to credit them for taking care of business against the teams they should. But I also think they're just playing well together. Shots are falling. Um, this obviously team is better when those three the three point shot is going down, um, and that's been the case all the games except Atlanta. But, um, yeah, they, they're just taking care of business. This was the part of the schedule that they thought, except maybe Miami, people didn't think that'd be an easy game because obviously they were shorthanded. But people thought that, that they could, uh, you know, take advantage of this stretch with New Orleans and, you know, the, the Washington game and, and you know, and, and put some wins together and start to kind of build something. And it sounds like they're doing it now. Obviously, Wednesday's game is a big one. And then they got a tricky little road trip to Detroit and Orlando where both those teams play really hard, although they're not good. And they, those are the type of teams that can trip the Celtics up, you know, so, but you got to, they have a chance to pop, pile some wins together and, and do something. So I say, you know, and Marcus Smart's been remarkable uh, since his return from the injury and the COVID protocol. Uh, he is getting the ball, whipping the ball around the court, selectively shooting, doing everything he's supposed to be doing. I'm convinced he yeah. listened to the podcast because I think it was just last week when you called him out for doing too much, and now it seems that he is a little more level-headed. What? How do you think he could continue to keep up this momentum moving forward? Well, he's just got it to be like what he may talk, like push the pace up. Keep, the, keep pushing the pace. Keep the ball going. Don't walk the ball off the floor like the defense set. And just make sound decisions. There's going to be plays, as we've talked about before, where Marcus, you know, tries to be globetrotters, tries to do too much, you know, tries to be like LaMelo and just do stuff that it's just like, man, it's not you. Like, just stick to the game plan, make the solid pass, you know, try some things here and there, you know, it's okay, take a chance here and there, but just stick to solid basketball. And then he'll, he'll be as valuable as he ever has been. Because one, he's not a scorer, so him being that third scorer, you don't want that. 
You want him to be a distributor. You want to make a defensive plays. You want him doing all the little things. And that's what the difference. The Celtics don't have a lot of big things that have been keeping them from winning. It's been really a lot of little things. Marcus keeps doing the little things that makes him a better team. But here's the thing, though, Gary. Marcus, a lot of what he's doing now, he's done in spurts throughout the season, throughout the course of games as far as getting guys involved and things like that. To me, the biggest difference of late is that they're not keeping the ball out of his hands in the fourth quarter as much as I think they've done throughout the course of the season. When you look at the NBA and you look at the top facilitate, you look at the top teams in the NBA, they all have point guards who are on the floor making plays down the stretch. When you look at like the top assists uh, per game in the fourth quarter, you're going to see names like LeBron James. You're going to see names like Chris Paul. You're going to see guys who are leading teams that are in that top tier in the NBA. And the reason they're there is because they're getting opportunities to make plays for others when the game matters most. And I, I think far too often the Celtics have relied on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to go iso ball in the fourth quarter, which they're good at that. But here's the thing. By the time the fourth quarter rolls around, pretty much everything you like to do, you're not going to be able to do because they've seen it for 30 some odd minutes. So you have to go to a counter. You have to do something different. And Marcus being more of a facilitator, I think that's huge. You know, this season, Marcus is averaging like basically one assist per game in the fourth quarter. And for your starting point guard to be dropping one dime, in the most pivotal quarter of the game, on average, you he's, he's, you got to do better than that. And I don't think it's so much that Marcus doesn't want to. I think it's a combination of him not being on the floor as much as I think he should be in the fourth quarter and him not being in position to make those other guys better. Uh, so I think the last four or five games, to Gary's point, since he's been back, he's been given that opportunity to be that playmaker. And again, Marcus, bless his heart, um, he, he, he is who he is. I mean, he is not going to remind you of Chris Paul. He is not going to be Rajon Rondo. But he's a good enough player to make plays down the stretch. And if we're being keeping it 100, he's your best playmaker by far. And if your best playmaker isn't getting a chance to make plays when the game matters most, what the hell are you doing? And it should be noted he did have a career-high 12 assists in that win over the Pelicans. So it does show that he is trying to improve, I think, on that end because that is – one of his biggest strengths for this team. And it takes a lot of the heat off of Jalen and Jason to do what Eme wants them to do, which is be playmakers. Uh, and both of those guys have made progress this year in that area. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Jalen, excuse me, Jason, much more than Jalen. But having a guy like Marcus down the stretch who can do a lot of the things he does for the first three quarters, getting an opportunity to do it in the fourth, it's important for this team that to give Marcus that opportunity and to me, put him in a sink or swim situation. Either you're going to rise to the occasion in the fourth quarter and lead this team with your facilitate, or you're going to sink. And then we got, then we got to talk about your role, but he, it seems of late, he has been given that opportunity and his teammates have responded. And, and that's another story altogether about teammates responding to him. Cause I don't think they've done as good a job with that as they should. I mean, they treat him like he's an old man at, at the front door who don't know what he's talking about. And he says he's he's not that much older than them. He's it's it's as if the things that he values, they don't necessarily understand how they need to value those things too and work to make those things happen. Marcus said all from the jump, let me be that dude. 
Just let give me the keys to the to, to the Bentley or to the Maybach or to the SUV, whatever the hell ride you want to rock with. I can get us where we need to get to. And they were like, "We'll give it to you, but we're gonna give it to you on a rental basis. Like it's a rental car. Like you can have it for some time, but you are gonna have to return the keys to Jalen and Jason in the fourth quarter roll around. Shouldn't be like that. Um, I I love what he's doing. I love what those guys are doing because they are fit. They have figured out of late how to play off one another and be effective and to Gary's point these teams that they've been beating have been a little bit undermanned but if you really start looking at their roster they've lost a lot of games when they didn't have one or two or three of their top six seven guys so I I can't really lock into the idea that oh well you know they're just winning because they're playing teams that are undermanned because they lost a lot of games to teams because they were undermanned so to me the law average is starting to play out a little bit bottom line is this they are looking much more like a team that actually knows how to play together knows how to compete understands what has to happen in the fourth quarter and last but certainly not least get the damn dub that's what they're doing better than anything else what about the Jays? Let's talk about them because they've been having a phenomenal last few games as well, scoring-wise. It's been like tag team. Right. Just, you know. They can't play together, the, though. But they can't play. They just been – I mean, they've been playing a game of tag the, – the tag team action that they've been putting on teams is crazy. What's, what's the matter now, Gary? Hey, Gary. Were you about to do whoop? There it is. No. no yes, you were. Yes, you were. No, I wasn't. You were about to go tag team whoop? There it oh. is. No, oh no, my Gary. Shrod. That's where your mind went, but it's okay because at least someone thought about it. Yeah. Gary. Anyway, you go ahead, Gary. There it is. I was about to go somewhere, but whoop, there it is was not where I was going to go. <laughs> Although that would have been applicable that would have been a to, good this, to this particular conversation, but I wasn't going to go there. Maybe we can name that the episode, this podcast episode. That's a future yeah, There it could have been. Called yeah. whoop there it could have been. Finish your thought. <laughs> yeah, sure. Gary, Gary, Gary's thoroughly upset. <laughs> G- Gary's Where's clearly, clearly, clearly. No, but they, the, they've been playing well as a tag team as far as one of them has been controlling the pace. The other one hasn't just been sitting by just chill, like Broman chilling on the side. He's been actively engaged, waiting his waiting for his opportunity to take over. And in the fourth quarter, they become a major problem because if you're worried about Jalen scoring and you're worried about Tatum scoring and you got Marcus Smart who is not looking to score, he's looking to facilitate, damn, that's a, that, that, they become a very difficult team to beat. Uh, but to my thinking is this, and we'll talk a little bit more about this later, I'm not sold that they found a secret sauce to get over the hump. Um, because remember, this team, we're still looking for this team to win more than three games in a row. That has, I mean, we're, we're, we're damn near at the all-star break, and they've yet to have a winning streak longer than three games. Uh, so they, they clearly have had an issue with trying to, to build off a of success that they've been able to have. But when you're beating teams by 30-some-odd points, uh, I don't care how bad or banged up they is, that, that's not normal. That is just not normal. So I give them props for the way that they're handling their business, but they need to continue to build off of that because up to this point, they really haven't shown the ability to do that for any extended period of time. Yeah, I mean – I think that they're beginning to find the symmetry that they've been looking for, and they're completely healthy. I think Al Horford's playing a little bit better. Um, Robert Williams is, is hanging in and, and doing well ever since coming back from the birth of his son. has has been a real boost to the lineup. And he got dunked on by Caleb Barton. No, that should never happen. But anyway, keep going. Anyway, Sherrod, 
as a big man, you're going to get dunked on at times. It's going to happen. Inevitable. You're going to get dunked on. That's you know. I'm just saying. Caleb Martin is probably a candidate. Everybody can't be Dikembe. Everybody can't be Dikembe. Yeah, most improved player. So Caleb Martin has really gotten better. I mean, just on better than his twin. But that's yeah. On side note, but um, I think that both of Jalen and Jason are just trying. They understand the, the how important this is right now. You got 30 games left in the season. Like, we're far beyond halfway through. Halfway through was 41 games. This is 30 now. The all-star break is not the halfway point in the season. It's like the two-thirds point. Yeah. So um, they've got to jump on it now. They got to take advantage of beating bad teams. And, you know, last year that was a real problem. They lost twice to the Pelicans last year. They lost twice to the Kings last year. So the fact that they beat the Pelicans and they beat the Kings and they went and wiped out Washington on the road, I thought that was a good win. You know, Miami, you know, Miami plays hard all the time. I thought, you know, they didn't have enough manpower. So you can't really, oh, that's a really, really quality win because it was no no Butler, no Lowry, no P.J. Tucker. But it's still a win's a win's a win. You got you to gotta keep it. I mean, and the, and the league is just weird, folks. Denver went to Milwaukee and beat the Bucks by 36. Like the snot out of them. I mean, like, this is the way it is. I watched Cleveland had an eight-point lead at Detroit and, like, got outscored 18-2 to to end the game and lost at Detroit. Like, you can't take anybody lightly, and anybody can beat – and I hate to sound like that. It's so cliche it, but anybody can beat anybody. I mean, I was, like, almost fainted when I saw that Nuggets-Bucks score, like, 36 at Milwaukee and Giannis played in the damn game. Mm-hmm. Like the, the Nuggets who got who who got like eight guys out. So you, the Celtics can't take anything for granted. They got to play hard. That game at New Orleans was tricky. Like the game, I mean, you know, the Atlanta game, they kind of reverted to some old habits, but they also And Atlanta like, was playing some of the best basketball in the league at that point too. Yeah, but it, it was the hero ball thing, I thought. Mm-hmm. They were yeah. really close to taking the lead and then Jason Jalen and Dennis Schroeder decide, okay, let's take a th- let's, let's start taking threes. Right. And they weren't scoring yeah. through, they weren't hitting threes that night. They went seven for 36 on threes. And they decided they wanted to make the big shot to give them the lead. Then all of a sudden they couldn't stop Bojanovic. Bogdanovic and 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 then Trey Young got hot and they couldn't do anything with John Collins. That's the thing about Robert Williams. I think he's got to take pride, more pride in his like not letting some of these bigs get off on him. Like there was one play against Atlanta where John Collins just like backed him in and scored right over him. Bully, like, no, bully balled him. Yeah, like you can't. To me, you've got to. Robert's got to take more pride into like not saying he doesn't take pride, but just get that swagger, get that get that mean streak of like no, I'm gonna foul the hell out this dude if this happens. Like you know, this isn't. He's just not gonna spin and then just flip up a little layup in my face. Like and so, but going back, they have been. Um, the Sullivan been starting to play well. Obviously, the Charlotte game will tell us a lot. Charlotte came in a couple weeks ago, played well, beat the Celtics. You know, that little tricky Detroit-Orlando trip, and then Brooklyn in Brooklyn. So, you know, it's going to be – No Kyrie. Yeah, no Kyrie. And then I know they got, you know, I think another one with Detroit. They got Philly before the All-Star break. So, I mean, you got some games on the docket that they should win. And they should no longer be flirting with 500. Like, that's their goal. Like, no more of this 500. We want to build. Listen, folks, they're five and a half games out of the top in the East. That's crazy. 
Five and a half. You can name seven to eight games or something should have won this year that they did. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, really? I mean, seriously, seven to eight games at least. That they and you figure out of those games, you, you figure out, out of those games, you probably don't win half of them. They're right. literally in first or second or third place mm-hmm. in the East if they win Philadelphia at home. If they that game they got outscored, the Milwaukee game on Christmas, the Portland mm-hmm. game—that's just three off the top of my head. The Chicago game when they led Chicago by game. Led by right. That's four. That's games four wins right there. And I just like I haven't looked into December much. Much of December and November, you're talking about like get you know. So it's there for the taking. Um, and we could talk about it because of the trade deadline is coming up, you know, whether it is like they need another piece. We know that. Mm-hmm. And what do they need? But I think they're starting to show Brad Stevens, we can win with some help. Like, well, we don't me, have to break up the roster. Well, let me ask you. Well, Corny, go ahead. I, 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 you just said they don't have to break up the roster. But even though they've had this decent short sample size of a streak, I don't think that's enough to really get them that far in the East. No, I mean, I, I, I don't think I, this I, can do it. No. And, and that's why I want to play a little game. We haven't really played games. We haven't, games play, we haven't played games. I want to play a game called buy, sell or rent, okay. uh, which if you live in the metropolitan Boston area, you are trying <laughs> you're you're to one of these you're renting. Yeah. <laughs> most of the time. But we, we've talked a lot about how well this team is playing and, and it's, it's undeniable. I mean, the last, you know, the last four wins have been by an average of 30 and a half points per game, which is incredible. Um, the Celtics that we've seen lately, is this who they really are? Are you buying that? Are you selling that? Or you want to rent it? I'll rent it. Okay. Oh, did Gary have an answer? Go ahead, Kwani. Oh, I'm going to rent because, like I mentioned, this sample size is too small. I don't think we've seen this consistently enough. As you mentioned, Sherrod, this team has the potential. We think they can do well, but I I just need to see consistency. I feel as though I'm a broken record saying it, but I think with any 82-game season, it makes sense that there aren't going to always be perfect games. But even if it's coming down to a really close loss, I just need to see see more in the fourth where you can really close out a game. And even Mm -hmm. if you don't close it out, it's a close enough margin, not only on paper, but from the – I test that this team can potentially win. And I don't think we've seen that enough this season. It's either been blowout games or close losses, but there's just not enough effort at that last point or just minor errors that shouldn't have happened that I think they've lost a lot of games to. And I'm not sold. I'm going to rent it for now because, again, the last few games have given me a little sliver of hope, at least for now. Okay. Okay. What about you, Gary? Okay, first I want to do this. I got the Celtics schedule here. Okay. Okay. The f- Next three games. Let's name the games that they probably should have won. Okay. Oh, in the past. Yes. Okay. Opening night at New York. <laughs> when? Absolutely. When? Yeah. The double overtime loss at Washington. That's two. Yep, yeah. That's two. The Chicago game. Three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Dallas game where Luca, where Marcus Smart fouled in the right. fouled oh, to, yeah. to give Dallas the ball at the end, and Luca hit the three at the buzzer. That's four. Four. Mm-hmm. The 19-point blown lead at Cleveland. That's five. Well, we didn't know Cleveland was going to be this good. So maybe we'll Yeah, but they blew. You have the 19. Nine, I don't care where you at. 17 in the fourth. You got to win that game. Yeah, you got to no, win absolutely. that. Um, get, that's five. 
Yeah. Getting outscored like 16 to 2 to lose at San Antonio to end the game. Six. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see here. If I'm picking up on the trend, you were saying they should be undefeated? No. Should, Philly Chicago. game where they got outscored. Really? Like, literally, I'm saying there's yeah. 10 games. The Philly game um, where they got outscored 18 to 6 when Embiid went nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Another one right there. That's seven. Uh, the Milwaukee Christmas game, eight. The Minnesota game, nine. Yeah. I mean, my goodness. The San Antonio game, and Jalen missed the layup at the buzzer, 10. Mm-hmm. The blown 25-point lead at New York, 11. The Trailblazers game last week. 12. <laughs> 12. 12 mm-hmm. games. That's and, 12. And you Twelve and, games and, and Gary you and Gary, you five in those games. You are literally you, like in third place. Isn't that crazy? Twelve games. Like I'm not talking about. Well, they didn't lead in the fourth quarter, or they lost. They made a run. Like literally, like Jalen blowing the layup at the buzzer yeah. that could have tied it and sent it overtime, or yeah. getting outscored sixty to two by San Antonio down there and losing the game by eight. Like games they literally blew. Yeah. You know, I mean, so. Like I'm with Kwani. Like I need to see more. I need to see more poise. I need to see poise down the stretch in the fourth quarter. I need to see win a tough game like Charlotte. You know, um, I need to see more because I just think they're, they're you know you don't you don't this team has a habit of getting resting on their laurels because mm-hmm. I'll look at the schedule until the All Star break. Charlotte, uh, Detroit should win. Orlando Brooklyn, should win. Honestly. I could get, they could they could take Brooklyn too. Katie's at Brooklyn, out yeah, it'll be tough, but they could. Yeah. Then Denver at home, that's a tough game. Do not, you know, we saw what Denver okay. did just did to Milwaukee. Atlanta yeah, yeah. at home on Super Bowl Sunday, tough game. At yeah. Philly and then Detroit, like two against Detroit, Orlando, but then you got tricky ones: Brooklyn, Denver, Atlanta, Philadelphia. Like the Celtics could really build on this, or they could be back. To, Go, you know, four and four, whatever it is, and be still be two games over 500 at the break. Like, they got to start really playing well against good teams. They need to win down in Philly. Like, they need to show the Philly they can beat the Sixers. They need to win at one of those games at Brooklyn or at Philadelphia. They just can't yeah. get slapped around by dudes in their division. The Knicks beat them. You know, they, they've, they've got to be better in these games. They can't keep getting punked by Philly and New York and Brooklyn. Like, they've got to – one of those two games. Like, go down to Brooklyn on Tuesday night with Harden and beat the beat the Nets with your full squad. Mm-hmm. There's going to be no KD, no Durant, right. are, uh, no, no Kyrie. Like, <laughs> that's a game you should win. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I want to see – like, I'm, I'm with Kwani. I want to see – like, they've beaten Milwaukee, but I want to see a, a couple of wins, like two or three wins in a row against really good teams. That would get me like, okay, maybe it's different. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see what happens to the trade deadline. They get another shooter. They get someone else in here to help them. Then I think that they can make a run. Well, I'm going to have to go against the grain and believe that the Celtics that we're seeing now, I think we're going to see a similar version of this team throughout the course of the rest of the season. And here's why. Huh. Gary, you as, as you pointed out, Gary, they got their whole crew intact. That, that's something that we weren't able to say a month or six weeks or, or, or longer ago about this team. There seemed to be one or two 
core guys seemingly out of the lineup for whether it's injuries, illness, health and safety protocol, but they have their full crew intact now. And they, if, if they were just like, you know, kind of beating teams, I wouldn't feel the way I do. They're not just beating teams. They're beating the snot out of teams. I mean, they're, they're taking kids' lunch money, mushing them in the face, stepping on their they brand-new starter jacket, and looking at them like, now what? What you, what, what? what you got? What you going to say? Nothing. They are crushing teams. And to me, they're not going to keep crushing teams like that. But they, the way that they're playing, they're going to be able to hold their own against anyone and everyone the rest of the way because, again, they've got all the pieces in place now. Guys seem to understand their roles on this team. Like, they finally figured out that Marcus Smart is actually a pretty good facilitator down the stretch. Jason Tatum, you're still going to get your buckets. T- Brown, you're still going to get your buckets. But he can put the buckets on your plate. You don't have to You don't have to feed yourself. He can feed you. And that understanding is one of the main reasons why I think this team is going to continue to gain ground and probably wind up at the end of the day in that four, five, six conversation. I don't, I don't four, to me, four is the apps. That is if everything and seemingly everything goes right. No more injuries, no more illnesses. They got their whole crew the rest of the way. That's best case scenario in my mind. But I do believe they're going to continue to play their way into the conversation of being one of those four, five, six teams. And that to me is frankly where they should be. Cause at the, at the beginning of the season, I thought they should be in that conversation when you have two all-stars, both under the age of 25. And all you really need at that point is, is guys to understand their roles and execute their roles night in and night out. We're seeing more of that now. And that's why, again, I'm, I'm, I'm all, I, I think this, what we're seeing now, we're going to see something fairly close to this for the rest of the season. They're not going to win all the games, obviously, but they're going to be in the hunt even against the better teams, if they continue to stay healthy and continue to, to play the way they have of late. And I think, again, because they're not bringing in new guys off of health and safety or, or injuries, they have the potential to be that good a team. So before we go any further, I want to give a special shout out to our good friends at betonline.ag. There may be less football, but BetOnline has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season. I know my man G Money over here, him, his LA Rams are in the building. Super Bowl. Uh, folks, folks, yeah, folks don't know about, about Gary and, and, and his uh, affinity for the Rams. And I can just tell you right now, he is not a fair weather jumping on the bandwagon. Gary has been down with the Rams since. What's that quarterback, Gary, that you love so much that played Dang for the LA Rams? 19, <laughs> 19, I went to my first Ram game in 1975. I know, I, I know, Quanti, they actually like had football then. See, um, I almost made a joke. With the leather helmets, right? Yeah, they had They actually had football then. There was actually black there was black people. We 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 weren't doing the civil rights thing. It was after that. So we weren't, we weren't, you know, we were we were good. So 1975. You gotta go there during Black History Month. Yeah, you gotta go there during Black History Month. My first I know. My first LA Ram game at the Coliseum. So I've been a long time fan. I was not a fan when they went to St. Louis. Be like, oh, they went to St. St. Louis. No. So when the Patriots beat them, I was rooting for the Patriots. I did not like the move to St. Louis. So don't. I'm not a St. Louis Ram fan. Much respect to the great show on turf and what they accomplished there. But was not a fan until they moved back 2016. And so it's just crazy, honestly, to be from there, born and raised. And they play five minutes. My mama called me. I grew up five minutes from the stadium, okay, five to eight minutes. My mama called me 
on Sunday night and said there were 49er fans parking in front of our house, walking to the stadium oh. for that game. It's going to wow. be crazy for Super Bowl. Like I just it, – because it's like it, – I mean, for them to return to L.A. Yeah. and to play near where I grew up is really – crazy for me to it's it's sort of unbelievable it's like if someone would have said that was gonna happen i would have told him it's crazy um so yeah i'm rooting for my rams uh i got a spinning rams helmet in my room and i don't really talk much about the teams i like or whatever because yeah. they ain't won a super bowl since i forever <laughs> at all and i ain't counting st louis so and I also as a sports journalist, people will be like, oh, why do you cover the Boston teams if you're not a fit? That's not how it's supposed to go. No, I, this, is, this, is a child, this is childhood. Like, yeah. I, I, it's I remember, real people. Yeah, I remember when I was a young kid, somebody got me a Rams helmet for my birthday. That's not the, it wasn't like now where you get the official NFL helmets. It was like the. The hood well, helmet, the hood helmet, yeah, yeah. It was like it was. Well, it was like you could wear it, but it was not like you could play in it. Like you were yeah, probably get a yeah. concussion. Like, but it looked like a helmet. It'll break. Put it on, and so it had the white stripes. That, the Rams yeah. in, in the old days used to have white stripes. Mm -hmm. So when they changed the gold stripes, I took some spray paint and painted gold oh, stripes on that helmet, like because I wanted it to look <laughs> all in it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So oh. I'm off here. That's my team. And the fact that they play so close to where I grew up is is awesome. And then, you know, so yeah, uh, going back, I, I didn't divert it and told stories, but yeah, no, that's, that, what that's my about. team. That's my <laughs> team. And then when they pulled James Harris out to present the NFC Championship trophy, I was like, my goodness, he was. I mean, for a Ram fan, he was like the black first black quarterback for the Rams. I mean, this dude was a black back. I mean, now black people can't get a uh, black people can't get an NFL coaching job, and back then, now we can play quarterback. We can't coach, yeah. but back then we couldn't get no quarterback job either. We were playing yeah. defensive back and running back and you know all that. Why was like, he pushing other positions? James Harris, out of Grambling State University HBCU, was like the first black quarterback for in, for the Rams. So he was like a hero in our hood. I mean, he was like, you know, he was like a hero. So me taking that picture with him and him. Still being around, I took a picture with him, Sharada NABJ, because we presented him with an award in Louisiana, yep. where his native Louisiana, um, where you know we gave him a Pioneer Award for our Association of Black Journalists. And I took a picture with him there, and I showed him the picture I had with him when I was seven. So, yeah, very nostalgic. Uh, let's get back to basketball, but yeah. And that to Black Ed, History yeah. lesson was brought to you by Gary yeah. Washburn during the month of February. <laughs> yeah. It is Black History Month. Venmo a black person twenty five dollars today. Wow, <laughs> I just I just associated about the hub Venmo. Up made it known. Believe me, honey. Nineteen seventy five. There was pro sports. There was cars. There was music parties, clubs, everything. Oh so gosh. don't be like, don't, you know, just, you know. I mean, just I'm just saying. I know you like was you know was uh you know was Earth like existed? Earth was <laughs> circling. There was music. There was eight tracks take. We'll have to talk to you about the eight track tapes one day. We'll tell you what those are. So go back, go get on back, it, Sherrod. Sorry. Back to betting. It, anyway, back to betting. Uh, obviously, Gary taking us down memory lane, but you can't get on the field, but you can definitely get in on the action. And, and Bet Online is the place for that. Don't forget the promo code CLNS5050. You get 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And it's not just football. Hockey, boxing, UFC, name it, they got it. 
Bet Online is where the games start. Now, we've talked about how amazingly awesome the Boston Celtics have been, but as Gary so eloquently you know pointed out, they still kind of need to make a little change, change with that rock with this roster. Uh, there's lots of different names that are being bantered about. Uh, and last week we talked a lot about the Sacramento Kings, one, because they were playing the Celtics, but, but also because they had some players that whose names were being thrown out there. But since then, there have been some other reports about possible players that um, have been linked with the Celtics. And I, and I want to start with you, Gary, and just get your thoughts on some of these guys and Kwani chime in obviously afterwards. But Kevin Herter from Atlanta was a name that we uh, heard the last week and a half or so as someone that the Celtics uh, kind of kicking the tires around a little bit about and, and vice versa. How do you th- see him fitting? And particularly if more likely than not, it'll cost you Marcus Smart to get him. Are you cool with that? Which, by the way, I just found out last week that his nickname was Red Velvet, and I'm all here for it. But that's smooth. <laughs> it was so smooth. I was like, Twitter was calling him Red Velvet, see, and I felt like see, I was late to the game. I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let y'all y'all talk about this because because I'm like me and Kat, you Gary jump in. Go Gary, jump in. take the mic. <laughs> um, yeah, please. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Harder is a solid player, a good three point shooter. Um, it all depends on what Atlanta is one of those organizations that they're in a tricky position because now they're hot. Okay. First, mm-hmm. remember they were 17 and 25 a couple of weeks ago. Nate McMillan ball wasn't working anymore. They weren't playing defense. They were a terrible West Coast road trip where they like were just getting blown out and it looked like they were done. And now they'd have won seven of eight before losing um, the other night to Toronto. And they're back into the like they're back into the play in. Or whatever it, it looks like now, Washington's is the team that's sinking. So I think Atlanta's plans might have changed in terms of their approach to this deadline, because now they got a chance to make a run. I think one, they're engaged with Collins and Dalinari and Bojanovic and Trey Young and DeAndre Hunter and Herter are all engaged, and Capella and the kid from USC, the, the backups. Like they're a pretty damn good club. And I think, like the Celtics, that's the thing about the trade deadline. There's, I can look at those standings. From 1 to 12, there's eight games. There's Okay, the way I look at it, there's 12 teams competing for 10 spots, okay, because the Knicks and the Wizards are a half game out of the play-in, okay? So because you, you put Indiana, Detroit, and Orlando, they're done, okay? You, they're right. not – doubtfully they're going to make a playoff run. So 12 teams for 10 spots – do the Knicks, are they sellers? Like, how important is it to make the playoffs? And when the, when the East is so close, eight games separate one and 12, you got a lot of teams that think they got hope, right? Mm-hmm. So their plans for the trade deadline might not be to be sellers. Like, what, or they could do a major move where they, like the Knicks, want to trade, get a star in and move Julius Randle. Like, it could be some major stuff going on to just swap stars. So, I think this could be a fascinating deadline because what happened in the East is everybody is starting to even out. They're all eating each other up. Like, you know, Milwaukee's had ups and downs. Brooklyn's lost a couple games in a row. Miami's now lost two in a row. Philadelphia's playing well. Cleveland ain't going nowhere. Like, whatever you talk about, Sherrod, the top six, like the Celtics are going to have to bump one of those out. Cleveland, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Philadelphia, Miami. And what's the other team? Um, 
uh, not Charlotte, Chicago, Chicago, Chicago. Sorry, Chicago. They're gonna like we're not even talking about Charlotte. Charlotte's seventh, okay. Charlotte's seventh and got a bunch of home games left. Watch out for for the for the Hornets making a run because they got a bunch of home games remaining their schedule. But if I'm this any team on those top ten, they they might not be sellers like we think. Atlanta might be like okay. We want Marcus Smart and so, like they're going to want up up in, in, up upgrade their roster too. Yeah. So you might do you look to the West, the Sacramento, and you. I mean, I look at the West, and you know you got Houston. They're they're out of it, but shoot, literally New Orleans is two and a half out the playing. You know what I'm saying? Sacramento three and a half. Not saying they're going to do it, yeah. but. These teams that are desperate for the playoffs, the only teams that are out of it completely to me are Oklahoma City and Houston. Mm-hmm. So when this is what the league wanted, folks. The league wanted more parity and more competitiveness when they added the extra two spots. So now ain't nobody sellers. Like there's four right. teams or five teams in the NBA out of 30 that you're like, okay, they should be sellers. Indiana's a team I would target. Karis LeVert, DeMontis Sabonis, like – like TJ Ward, that's a team I think people are going to give a lot of calls to because I think they're ready to break that up and just start fresh because they're not winning. They have. And I can tell you, a lot of those guys you mentioned are prominently on the trading block. Uh, you mentioned TJ Warren, who I've loved forever today uh, because he gives buckets. That's literally what to, he does. To NC State. NC yeah. State, yes, yes. And I love NC State. Shout out to the Wolfpack. Wolfpack! Yeah. Um, the thing of the thing about him is that he's hurt, and you don't know what you're going to get. But he's also going to be hitting free agency this summer. And to me, if I'm just keeping it real, I like the idea of bringing in a guy who ain't going to play, who's going to hit free agency. Because when it comes time to negotiate that new deal, you don't have the kind of leverage, bro, that you would want. Because I haven't seen you out on the court in a minute, so we have a little bit more runway to play with in terms of getting a deal done. That for the team. I think it's to, to their benefit, to their advantage. But back, back to your point, Kevin Herter is a good player, um, but if it's going to cost me Marcus Smart, I don't think I want to pay that. And, and here's why, and here's why. The very reason that, that Gary pointed out, that team, there's such great parity, your Celtics team is finally healthy. This is their team. This These are the guys that they thought they were going to be playing with all season long. And they've only had maybe 10, 15 games maybe, together where they've had their entire allotment of core guys, healthy, able-bodied, ready to contribute. And lo and behold, they're winning. They're starting to actually figure out how to play well together and figuring out how they can play off of each other and with each other. And to break that up now, I'm not sure if that's the move you want to make, especially, again, there's such closeness between top to bottom. I mean, everyone, listen, before you would have a, you would have a clear top-tier middle of the pack, and everyone else in the middle. That middle class now is huge. And because it's so huge, there isn't this this sense that if I just add one piece, we're going to be in the top three. Hell, we may be in the top three with the crew we got, and we don't have to do anything with us. And so I think think this trade deadline is going to be a dud. The only thing that would make this thing significant, not only for the Celtics, but just for the NBA in general, is if someone finds a home for Ben Simmons. Which again, I, I just don't think that's going to happen. Uh, his camp has made it pretty clear what they want to do, and for Ben, it's a lose-lose situation. If you come back, you caved in. You stay out, your value is not going to go up because no one really knows what you can do. And so, 
tough spot for him, but fortunately for the Celtics, that ain't y'all problem. Yeah, ain't I think Carter would be an asset to the Celtics too, but that only is valuable if you're not getting rid of Marcus Smart because I think the thing that Herter brings to that Hawks team, you look at that game Monday night against Toronto and he scores 16 in the first half. And yeah, you're surrounded by talented other players, but he seems like the type like Marcus Smart where if you need that scoring power, he's willing to just take the team up and, and do what's needed for that team. And I think the Celtics could use another scorer in that sense. But again, I don't think Atlanta would be willing to give him up without getting someone that the Celtics also see as valuable. So it's a dub on that end. I don't think that trade would work out at all. It is. And the thing that, that I'm just kind of coming back to more and more is with the Celtics scouting department, it's not that they can't recognize talent. They just kind of decide on the wrong talent to keep and the, and the wrong talent to let go. Uh, my, Miami got smashed. We know that. They lost by 30 points. But there's a kid by the name of Mr. Struess out there who yeah. was a Celtic on paper only, and yeah. never played a game for him, but he dropped – Nine threes. I don't give a damn what level you playing at. You hit nine threes. You are a baller. You are a and and t- the fact that you have a clear void in your roster, which is sh- shot making, mm-hmm. and a cat that you had on your in your crew on paper drops nine threes. And we're not even going to talk about Desmond Bain. We ain't going to even bring him up. Well, I just did. Uh, and I know Gary Washburn. You had a chance. Uh, see, uh, Gary shaking his hand. I'm about to tee you up, Gary. I'm about no, to tell you. Say you just did bring him up. Right. I, I just said that. Person that I won't name. That's funny. I, I, I brought him up. up. You know, I ain't going to bring up all your mess ups you did back three years ago. I ain't going to bring that up. You just did bring it up. I will bring that up. I will bring it up. The reason I was bringing him up, Gary Washburn, is because you had a chance to talk with him. Yeah. And, and, you, and, and I'm giving you the floor to let the peoples know. What he had to say about obviously the, the all the talk about him and and, and Boston and, and and what could have should have been. You had a chance to talk to him about that. Oh yeah, We're, yeah. He he's fully aware that. Um, I mean, obviously he was never a Celtic. Like Boston traded to pick the Memphis before the draft, but he's fully aware. One, he's definitely aware that they chose Me Smith over him. He pointed that out, and I think everybody <laughs> knew. And these guys know their competition probably when they work out for teams and who they're working out with. And he knew that Neesmith and him were considered quote unquote, the best shooters in the draft. And he knew that they took Neesmith 14th and he fell to 30. And now Neesmith is um, trying to get on the floor. And and Desmond Bain, I think dropped 28 last night at Philly. So um, I'll, you know what, Sherrod, I'm not going to rip the Celtics. The Struce thing is this. This is the problem with the Celtics. And it's it's not that, like, yeah, they gave up on Struce. One, they just botched the whole thing with, with um, their two ways with Tremont and Taco. One, they kept Taco too long. It was nice. And I would have done it, too, because Taco sold jerseys. It's a Yo, yeah, I see more taco now than any other Celtic when I turn on the damn nothing TV against, or Bella commercials. Commercial. Nothing <laughs> against, like, taco tried. It wasn't anything personal taco. But yeah. if I'm a businessman and tacos at Summer League and you was at that Summer League, tacos for Summer League, We're everybody's there. chanting his name, going the nuts. Line to see him. Yes, it was, it was, he was a Vegas star. Yeah. 
I would have kept him too and, and saw what happened. It's just that that Tremont roster spot, because you give Taco the marketing aspect. Hey, we need to make some money. I ain't gonna tell Wick Grusbeck, hey Wick, don't try to make another five million dollars or don't try like hey, I ain't in his pocket. So if he says, Gary, you know it's butts in the seats, butts in the seats up in Portland, butts in the seats in Boston when Tremont was the one I felt like they wasted. And, and he's a good kid. He just wasn't ready. And maybe he will be. But Struess, remember, bounced around. He went to Chicago. The Bulls gave up on him for a minute. So it's not like Struess immediately became a star or a shooter. Now, if you look at a guy like Sam Hauser, the Celtics are trying to, okay, I think they're like, okay, listen, he's not ready, okay, but give him a year or two and he can maybe become a guy like Struess where he's a, a pure shooter. Like we talked about last night, Miami does a great job at developing players. They do. Look at Gabe Vincent, who played last night. Caleb Martin, they brought in, is playing well. Literally, Struess, like Kyle Guy. Like Miami, Miami makes good decisions on their roster, but they also go through a lot of guys too. They make mistakes right. like anybody else. But the Celtics, yeah, the Struess thing, now that he hit nine threes, look, you're like, well, the Celtics. So, so help, but first of all, it was two years ago. Struess went to Chicago. That didn't work out either. Then Miami, then he went to the G League and then worked his way. They were just patient with him, and it's paying off. The Celtics blew their two roster spots, two-way spots. Uh, now I think they're doing what they should do. They get a kid who looks like, okay, he's not ready to be a shooter yet, but give Hauser a year or two, not, maybe not this time this season, but next season, I mean, not next season, but maybe you know, you 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 hold on and you give him a you you hope he competes for a roster spot next year, and then he can be that light up shooter, because he's hit like eight or nine threes in the G League this year. Hauser's done well. It's just he's probably not ready for the NBA spotlight. So, but I do think teams like Miami are better at developing their players and make better decisions at picking some of their guys, quote unquote, off the street than the Celtics are, because if you look at it, Tremont Waters is not in the league. I think he signed like a 10-day hardship with Washington. Like, I don't think he's in the league. Tacos and back in the G League. Like, you don't want to sign G League. You don't want to sign two-way guys that, don't, that aren't NBA, eventually NBA. You want to give them that year and a half or whatever and have them become a guy who can really help your bench. People ask why Jalen and Jason don't have help. It's because the Celtics haven't drafted well. Mm-hmm. Carson Edwards was supposed to help them. Shimmy mm-hmm. was supposed to help them. Um, you know, Tremont and Taco, like not those guys, but those slots yeah. were supposed to be of help. Mm-hmm. And they haven't. And so everyone, well, why don't Jason and Jason have help? It is uh, player development has been uh, falling very short. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's kind of forced the Celtics to obviously try to try to jerry rig this roster on the fly. You know, getting guys who you hope can fill the holes before they become craters. Uh, essentially, uh, one of the things that Brad Stevens has, has shown an affinity for is to go back in time, get bringing the oldest but the goodies, which brings us to my guy, Daniel Tice, because I know Gary loves Daniel Tice. I love Daniel Tice. Uh, Gary really doesn't, I don't think. Um, but but uh, th- here's the thing about Tice, though. 
Uh, because again, there, there was some talk that the Celtics You're talking were about a trade. Trade? Like, what about Tice? Like coming back to Boston? Yes. What the oh. hell? What? What? To, to be what, the, the Godfather Vitor, of, of, of our spiritual child? What do you, what do you think? What do you, what do you think I'm talking about? But Vitor Favarani wasn't available. Like Sime Erden is, is 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 occupied. Like Ante Ante Zizek wouldn't answer the phone. Like. The, the dancing you know, bear is, is busy. The dancing young. bear is busy. You know, Amen. like Tice has three more years in his contract. At a very reasonable rate. Yeah, yeah. he signed a four-year contract. I mean, you want to take that money on? Me personally. I don't care if it's nine no, million. That's but he's not my but he's not my banky. You see what I'm saying? He's not my banky. Brad loves Daniel Tice, as you know. Yes. You know this. So if they made a trade for Daniel Tice, would you be shocked? Who who are we trading? Yes. That's it. We them. You'd be shocked. Yes, because of his, because he's who got three more years left in his deal. Now I don't know if I don't know if like the last year is guaranteed or not. But he signed a four, I think four year thirty six or something like that with the Rockets. Like you know, and he's yeah, he's not playing. It ain't worked out. Just right. like as we talked about, guess who's on the trade block? Evan Fournier. Like you know, oh shocker. Because the Knicks paid him $78 million. And so sometimes the best moves are the ones you don't make. Brad passed up on that. Now Evan's on the trade block. So, Yeah, that's that's his um, – what's the kid that played for Miami that that uh, uh, Danny was willing to trade the entire world for? Oh, Justice Winslow. Justice Winslow, yep. yep. Yes, final year of um, – thank you, Amit – Final year of Tice's contract's a club option. So two more years left this year and next year. You don't want to commit money past because you want to bring in another max guy and you want to leave some flexibility um, for any guy that might come up or you like it's, it, that's a tough one to take on. And it's not like Tice is young. He's not, I'm not saying he's old, yeah. but I think he's You just 30. did. No, he's not young. He's not young. If he's not young, what are you? There's something in between. Like, not young and not old. Like, mid-career. He's, like, youthfully old. Yeah, I mean, Exactly. Exactly, Kwani. What? We'll look up a word. We'll look at a thesaurus for that one. But I get what you mean. Maturely young. Maturely young. You're right. I just want. I just want to see get a reaction. He from just him. wanted to get Gary fired up because he knew he was going to. I'm not fired up. I like Daniel. I thought. I don't Daniel think they. Him. 29. So I that's, think. That's I think they moved him. I think the trade of him was, was a was real mistake money. to yeah. Chicago. Just to get under the cap was a real mistake. Right. The defense suffered, but I also think now you got Robert Williams flourishing. Like, you, what's the use? I mean, you know, now if if you can get rid of, but remember. Ennis Freedom's on a minimum deal. Like the deal, like there's right. nobody you could trade that's make they don't have a lot of mid-level money guys. Right. Marcus is their most tradable asset, or Josh Richardson. Schroeder, yeah. Um, but what are you gonna get back when he's gonna be a free agent? So there's a lot of going on, but they don't have that like guy on a nice little nine million dollar contract that you can kind of move. Uh, it makes it easy to easy to trade. Some of these would be difficult. But there yeah, have been rumors about Schroeder as well, though. Haven't there been rumors about Schroeder potentially being considered? So who would you want? Like, 
what would you want for him? Ugh. Somebody who ain't going to turn the damn ball over four times in four minutes. Other than, yeah. Let's start. I, I, I guess That's I'll start there. Yeah. No, I don't. I, and, and Gary, you, you jump in here too, but I, I don't, I just don't think you're going to get much for him. Um, I, I think if you can get a second round pick and maybe a player on an expiring contract or, or just, you know, the pick itself, I think that's pretty much the best you're going to get. Because even though he is a good scorer, the fact that he is on an expiring contract, the fact that you know what he's looking to do money-wise come offseason, and truth be told, I'm not, not sure teams are willing to pay him the kind of money he's want. Because it, to me, a cautionary example of what happens to guys like Schroeder is what happens with the guy we were just talking about a little while ago, Evan Fournier. You don't want to be the Knicks and him, and him be your Evan Fournier, a guy that you signed to this contract because he scored the ball really well, but then you get him in your roster and you realize, oh, damn, he turns the ball over a lot. Oh, damn, he makes bad decisions uh, defensively, gambles a lot. Oh, damn. How much are we paying him again? Oh, hips. Yeah. That's the fear, I think, and concern with Schroeder. So I think if you can get anything of a of some semblance of value, whether it's cash, because we take cash, they take Venmo, the subs will take cash. Bitcoin uh, yet? Not yet. Working <laughs> on it. But if you could get, but it was all seriousness, if you could get something of, of some semblance of value for him, you take that. Uh, I, I he obviously is someone who does not fit into their long term plans. And when you look at the last few games, we talk about how they've been smashing teams. He has been a negative plus minus the last couple of games, even though they won those games by damn near 30 points each. So that it, it, and on a night when pretty much everyone else who plays for the Celtics is a positive. So little things like that make teams, I think, at a minimum pause before they go cannonballing into the pool of, of, of you know, trying to make a splash and adding Dennis Schroeder. So. Yeah. You about mean, to say some Gary? Okay. No, I just think, um, you know, I'm not a – how do I put this? I think Schroeder can't serve a purpose. I think it's tough. I think the situation is tough. The dude can play. He can score. But I think he needs to be a starter. I think his his role as a coming off the bench to being – like I think that Oklahoma City thing might have just been an exception to the rule. Like he was very um, good that year in Oklahoma City, and I think that fooled – the Celtics a little bit to think that he could be that six man of the year candidate. And he's just, his numbers aren't as good um, as a starter, sorry, off the bench. Is I mean, they're, they're considerably less. And I just think if you're not going to start him, you might as well move him um, because I don't think him coming off the bench and being that like lightning bolt scoring guy, is going to work because he just doesn't seem to have the, the, the umph to, I mean, to really contribute. Like I'm looking at his numbers as a starter, eight, um, 18.6 points a game as a bench guy with 10 minutes left, nine po- less 9.5 points. His field goal percentage as a starter, 48.6 as a reserve, 34.2. Three-point percentage as a starter, 38.1. As a reserve, 28.3. Like it's, you know, offensive rating as a starter, 114. As a reserve, 93. Like yeah. he's not – it just isn't working as a uh, as a reserve. Now, you know, do you think – could it change? But I think if you can get something for him, if you can get a prospect 
for him in a, in a, in a pick. I don't know if you're going to get a first round because of expiring contract, but if you can get a prospect in a pick or something or two second round picks, like I think you might have to do it. Not, oh, I want him out of here or anything like that, but I don't know if it's working out and you're not going to start him. And as we've seen, him and Marcus on the court together is not good. Like it's sort of disastrous um, because teams, they're, they're easier to guard because Schroeder isn't that knockdown shooter. When he gets hot, he's good, very good when he gets hot. It's when he's not hot. And I think we've seen from the beginning of the season, there's just been some shots, you know, 16-footer that most NBA guards hit, he misses them, the mid-range shots, the driving into the paint and seeing that, boom, miss. Like, damn, it's an open shot. Wow. Like, most NBA players, guards especially, from 16 feet in the elbow, they're money, right? Um, not, not like Ben Simmons or nothing, but I'm talking about, like, <laughs> NBA, most NBA guards. Schroeder has just not been quite up to task, but when he starts, 19 points a game. 38% from three, it's crazy, but are you going to start him? You're not starting him in the backcourt with Marcus, right? Like, that wouldn't be – that might not go well because there are minutes together, especially in the fourth quarter, when neither teams do not respect either long-range shooting, so they're doubling and blitzing Jalen and Jason and packing in the paint. Makes it harder. Remember that New York game, you know, now one of those guys are hot. It's different, but that don't happen every game. So – I think if you're the Celtics, you have to consider moving Schroeder. I think they will move Schroeder, not because they don't like him back, nothing like that. It's because the fit for – and you have Peyton Pritchard who can help out or whatever. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't seem like – like he's had very little to do with these four wins and these blowout wins. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Looking ahead a little bit, we, we again, we touched on this a little bit earlier. The Celtics have an interesting week where they can definitely start making some legit ground on those teams ahead of them. You look, you got Charlotte on Wednesday, Detroit at Detroit on Friday. I will be there. Uh, I, and I believe, Gary, you're going to be there too? Tell Lauren no. I said hi. Not I will. She's not going to Detroit? She co- oh, Lauren Williams, yeah. Yeah, yeah Lauren with- Williams. Yeah. At live.com. Yeah, she still should still be in Boston. I'm, oh. you know, she should still be working here. Oh yeah, that's the whole yeah. Thing. yeah we, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll save we'll save that for we'll save that for the off. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So you're going to Detroit on Friday. Detroit. Oh boy. Are you or not Lance? going, Gary? I'm not going on that trip. Thank God, I ain't got to see the love fest. For oh Sherrod. my God, the video of Gary, which if people didn't see on Twitter, mm-hmm. Sherrod posted a video in Atlanta when they went to cover that game. Gary was very mad about the snow. It was snow in Atlanta. Like, what is that going on here? Oh, it was the apocalypse. Gary, like, we, I mean, Gary and I have been to Atlanta, I would say, on a regular basis for the last 20 years. Yeah. I've never seen snow. I've it never seen snow Atlanta. in Atlanta. Yeah. It, was, it was sticking. I mean, now it's it sticking. But it was like, it is snowing in Atlanta. Like, yeah. what's going Gary on? Gary was pissed. Yeah. I don't blame him. It, <laughs> like, it, it was, yeah. I was I said, you know, it wasn't to go to a warmer climate and it snows yeah. of all places. So I, I get it. But it was funny. Yeah, Gary was hot. <laughs> um, so are you, are you going to Orlando? They're in Atlanta on Sunday. No, I'll be, in, back Bro- I'll be in Brooklyn. He going to the good games, if you didn't understand. I'll be in Brooklyn. <laughs> but I'll be in Detroit. They go to Detroit again later in February. Okay. I will be yep. on that right after the All Star break. I'll be. 
on that trip to Detroit and Indiana, but you know, yeah. would not be not not be in the D this time for your you know come back reunited. It feels Listen, so good. Man. See, here's the thing about see, I was in Detroit basically the entire time when they were good, like in the early 2000s. Like when we they go to the conference finals or NBA finals every year, I was there. And yeah, they're my peoples. Shout out to my boy Ben Wallace and Rasheed Wallace and Chauncey Phillips, Rip Hamilton, Tay Tay, Tayshawn Prince, my man. Just name the whole 2014. Let's go ahead. Darvin Ham. Yeah, we, we got time. Shout out to Darvin. Shout out the to viewers, Lindsay Hunter. The viewers ain't got nothing Lindsay to do Hunter. with the here. Lindsay the Hunter, who, by the way, was a Celtic for a hot minute. For a very hot minute, Lindsey Hunter was a Celtic. Yeah, let's name the rest of the roster, the trainers. I'm apologizing on behalf of the Celtics fans that are listening. Darko. Darko, who was a Celtic. He was, yeah. For he was a, a little Celtic. more than a hot minute. Yeah. So... Don't hate Gary. Don't hate. Were you going to ask about the next few games coming up and what we thought about them? Is that where you were going? Or no, you just I'm, just, I'm just letting folks know that the Celtics are going to be hosting Charlotte on Wednesday. And they'll be on the road at Detroit on Friday, at Orlando on Sunday, and at Brooklyn on Tuesday. But before we leave, I want to make sure that, you know, again, thank our good friends at betonline.ag. Uh, mm-hmm. Check them out. Don't forget the promo code. CLNS50 to get that 50% welcome bonus. And we love them. We love them. We love them. And we also love what Kwani is doing for NBC 10. What you got coming up this week, Kwani? So on Wednesday, nope, Thursday, I'll be doing a live shot on the Hub today. My first live shot ever. Well, not, not my first one. I guess my second one. And then on Friday. Now, how tall are you going to be? How tall are you going to be? Are you going to be six seven like you are right now? Yes, I'm gonna wear heels and have a okay. step, step on a box. No, I'll probably six seven twenty ain't no joke, y'all. I'm you just know, y'all know. <laughs> <laughs> but also on Friday we're gonna be live from Neshoba Valley on NBC Ten for the Hub today, which is a rarity. But that's also the day the Olympics start, so it just is a lot going on with NBC. We have the Super Bowl, we have the Olympics, so Friday should be fun too. If you can tune in at eleven thirty on Thursday and Friday, you'll see me. Okay, you know I will. <laughs> And I'll have something to say, too, to you next on, on the next day, of course. Of course, yeah. It's what okay. you got coming up, G? Uh, more Celtic coverage, a column on Tom Brady in tomorrow, in Wednesday's uh, Boston Globe Ooh, uh, about, his reti- about his retirement um, and some coming up some stuff. If you guys haven't read up on the Brian Flores story, which is kind of uh, ups- upstaging the Tom Brady retirement. This is yo. That's a podcast episode in itself. We yeah, got time to get to that. about to get real interesting about, about to get real. <laughs> and NFL hiring practices, et cetera, et cetera. It's about to. I think Flores might have just jumped on the fire, jumped on the what's this? Jumped on the fire or jumped into the fire? You just know, maybe yeah. Yeah, maybe <laughs> jumped. He jumped into something to, he, he, and he might be sacrificing the rest of his career. With this lawsuit, like a Kurt Flood, uh, he might be taking the bullets for it, for all the future coaching candidates of people of color and women too. Let's not forget about women of color and women who um, could be NFL coaching candidates down the road. He might be taking the, the bullet for him because this seems like so. I'll be writing about that, and obviously the Celtics, Charlotte game tomorrow. Just our, our friend Mark Spears just tweeted: Gordon Hayward's out of the protocol, but will not play uh, tomorrow. He would not have his return so i think that's like five out of six games or something like that or four out of five games that gordon c- could have played in boston but or three out of four something like that that yeah. gordon uh could have played against the celtics but didn't uh come back so he would not be playing tomorrow for, for charlotte uh so 
Big game for the Celtics, though. In their injury report, uh, just the same two guys, P.J. Dozier and Bol Bol, no new injuries, so they should be completely healthy. Um, and this is one of the bigger – I thought the New Orleans game was one of the bigger games of the season because of what happened in Atlanta. And then before all the injuries, I thought the Miami game was a really big game. Yeah. They took care of business. I think this is a really, really big game. You get this, you get Detroit, you get Orlando, then you start building some wins, and you're not, you know, you're not, you know, uh, approaching getting back to 500. You're really trying to make a run. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, what about you, Ebony? I, look, I, look. It's we, we ain't got time to go through all my jobs. We, we go. We we be we be here all night going through all. Ten all hours later. Got school. I'm going to ask Kwani, did she watch a Janet Jackson doc? You know what's so funny? My TV is pause. It's on sleep mode right now, but it's queued up because I was going to start it. Oh, okay. we're going to talk about that next week. We'll talk we about that next week. I'm excited. I need to. I love Should Janet. That's homework too. You're going to watch that as well. I love Janet. I saw it. Very good. Yeah. No. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Okay. I'm excited. I've yeah. I've been okay. had had don't, it don't don't spoil it for us, Gary. Don't don't don't. No, don't this be is very good. Yeah. Okay. I ain't spoiling nothing. Okay. That's exciting. Well, this has been another great episode in the books. If you haven't subscribed already, be sure to do so. Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to your podcast. For Aisha Rod Blakely and Gary Washburn, I'm Kwani A. Lunis. We'll be back next week with an episode of the A List Podcast. 